0: Well, when we think of peace, and you've heard it a lot this morning as uh, we lit the peace candle and, of course, the candle from last week, Hope, but we heard in almost every song about peace, peace on earth, goodwill to, towards man. And so this morning, we want to look and focus on that theme of peace as part of the Advent Christmas story. And when you think about sleep and heavenly peace, man, I think we all probably could have done that this morning when we woke up and it rained all night long, right? Right. Just the word peace even sounds calming, doesn't it? When you hear that word or read that word, what comes to your mind? What comes to my mind? Solitude, quiet, the absence of conflict, the absence of war, the, the, uh, the absence of tension in our lives maybe. And last week I mentioned that depending on what season you and I are in in our life right now has a lot to do with how we prepare for, how we get ready for Christmas and the Advent season. Depending on how this year alone, 2018, has gone for you and for me, affects how our attitude is going into Christmas and preparing our hearts for the arrival of Christ. So I ask this question kind of like I did last week. Has 2018 been a peaceful year for you? Or have you experienced conflict and tension that has left you possibly exhausted, that has left you possibly even a little cynical when you hear peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Maybe even the things that you hear in the news that have gone on. If you kind of think back, you know how they do those news stories and they give you, usually it's after Christmas, but they start playing the clips of things that have happened in 2018. And as you go back, going all the way from January to now, you start looking at the big news stories and you go, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, right. And you think, wow, there has been some conflict and tension in this world during this year. But maybe out of all the gifts that you could get for Christmas this year, you would like just peace. That would be just great for you. An absence from the conflict. Maybe the absence from some of the tension that you've experienced this year in your own personal life. So this morning I want us to look at the word peace from a biblical standpoint and how it is used not only in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testaments. And I think it's important for us to get a perspective. When we hear peace in our culture, in our time, and what we understand about peace, that's important. But I think we need to understand and, again, get this perspective of the type of peace that was prophesied in the Old Testament and the type of peace that Jesus would actually bring when He came into the world. The, world peace, the word peace is used... In the Bible, 249 times, 156 times in the Old Testament, and 93 times in the New Testament. And I think it's interesting that Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, who we quote a lot at Christmas time and during Easter, uses it more than anybody else in the Old Testament, over 25 times. And Luke uses it the most in the New Testament, over 13 times. And it is interesting because Isaiah is prophesying about this Jesus. Uh, This prince of peace that would come over 700 years before he actually comes. And it matches with the account that both Matthew and Luke would give about the coming of Jesus. So this morning I want us to look at Isaiah, the prophet from the Old Testament. And this is a familiar passage probably to most of us. And I hope that's going to be on the screen for us. And listen to what the prophet says. This is a familiar verse. For to us a child is born, a son to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 700, some 700 years before Christ would come, these are the words that Isaiah was inspired to write about this coming. The Hebrew word for peace in the Old Testament is, a lot of you may have heard this before. Does anybody know? might want to yell it out? Shalom. Thank you very much. Shalom. Shalom. We've heard that a lot, maybe in biblical movies or, or Jewish people will talk about that. Shalom, shalom be with you and shalom be with you. But the most basic meaning of shalom in the Hebrew is complete or whole. Now think about this, so a stone with a perfect or whole shape with no cracks. And when we think about that, when they were lining up, a lot of times in the Old Testament they would line up stones to put together an altar. And they weren't just grabbing any stone and putting together the altar. They were actually looking for a complete stone because they were going to offer a sacrifice to God. So when you think of that, you think about Shalom. Shalom can also stand for a complete stone wall with no gaps or missing stones. People would say that's a a wall that is built with Shalom. There's no missing gaps. There's nothing missing. We know how that looks. Have you ever seen a wall that was broken down? And this is ironic when I think about it when we moved into this building, we read a lot from the book of Nehemiah. I know Alan's one of his favorites. And that was what was happening before Nehemiah came in, is the walls of Jerusalem were all broken down with gaps all in them. And finally, they rebuilt the wall. And it was a, a message of not only the completed wall, that there was no gaps, nothing missing, but it was symbolic of the relationship that now has been restored with God among His people after a time of repentance. And then sometimes it's, it's a complex with lots of pieces that is in a state of completeness. It could be family, community, or nation. Shalom in our community. Shalom in our nation. Shalom with my family. There's this completeness. And a lot of you will experience this during Christmas. When you have everybody come home and you sit around the table, a lot of you, that satisfaction where you sit and you feel this satisfaction of our family's here. It's good to be together and to eat together and to celebrate Christmas together. You understand that. Or it can mean the fulfilling of the law or requirements in complete obedience. And we do see that within the scriptures sometimes. But shalom has a deeper meaning of just this completeness or wholeness. And it's not only the absence of conflict, the absence of war, but it's the presence of something better in its place to make something whole or complete. I want you to think about that for a minute. Not just the absence of war, just not just the absence of conflict or tension, but something better in its place, better than that war, better than that tension, better than that conflict. And that's taking something broken and making it complete or whole again. In the New Testament, the word peace is arene, which is the same meaning of this absence of war and conflict, but again, it means the presence of something that's better in its place to make that something whole again. And Jesus was born in a time of relative peace. And you may say, what are you talking about? Israel was under the conflict of of Rome. They were under the thumb of Rome. They were were, uh, under the occupation of Rome. How can that be a peaceful time? But it really was. There had been a lot of um, civil war among the Romans, and finally they had kind of settled down to a time of peace. And even the emperor knew that Among all these people that are in our empire, if we can allow them to worship in their religion the way they want to, it will keep the peace. And so they allowed a lot of that to go down. They allowed the freedom of the Jews to worship the way they wanted, as long as they did not create a major conflict. But Jesus came to bring a different kind of peace to life, not just an absence of of war, an absence of conflict. But with all the moving parts of life and relationships that we all experience, those parts can break down, can't they? Those parts can become fractures, out of alignment, or even go missing. And life and relationships constantly have to and have a need to be restored, don't they? They need to be made whole, and that's very difficult sometimes. So I ask you this morning, are there any relationships, are there any parts of your personal life this season, this Advent, that are out of alignment, that are maybe broken, that maybe need to be restored and made whole. And I bet all of us, without even nodding our heads, would say in our hearts and in our minds, yes. You might be thinking about that person right now and why is it the way it is. You may be thinking about that relationship right now and go, what happened? How did it get to this? I hope maybe at Christmas we can come together and we can have some peace. And some of us, maybe for a moment, some of those relationships are at peace right now because there is the absence of conflict with those relationships. And we say, yeah, it's okay right now. But I know the right thing said or the wrong thing said at the wrong time or the right time could start that whole thing again. And it lays in the back of your mind that I want, there just, I want that to be gone. I want there to be this wholeness of that relationship. And some of us may feel helpless and alone to solve those broken, those fractured, and those lost relationships in our lives because we know, I don't know what else to do. I've tried everything I can do. I've tried coming between maybe even others that we love and bringing those relationships together again. And you feel helpless and saying, I don't know how to restore it. But I've tried and I've prayed and I've done what I could, but there's not much I can do. And some of us, in frustration, have maybe even given up on some of those relationships of, of, of ever being whole again, we just think, it's not going to happen. There's nothing I can do. And I can say for myself, even in my family and in some of my relationships, there comes a point where even I just want to say, I don't know what to do anymore. And you kind of give up and don't know what to do. And that's exactly what Satan wants us to do, to just enter into that darkness and not let light come into our relationships. And that is where here at Advent, the anticipation and the celebration of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, coming into the world gives me hope that my relationships are not lost. Even when I can't fix them, they're not lost because Jesus came to do something about that. There is a chance through cooperation and collaboration through Jesus' birth, His life, His death, and His resurrection and Jesus' gift of the Holy Spirit that those relationships can be made whole and restored. and so again, as we did last week, I'd like to look at how cooperation and collaboration among the different characters in the Christmas story did exactly that to bring peace in a time that had some conflict during that time. I thought about Zechariah and Elizabeth, as we mentioned last week, the parents of John the Baptist. And obviously they were thrilled when they were told they were going to have a baby. But you know, as we mentioned last week, that when Zachariah heard the news, he goes, how is this going to happen? And the angel said, because you didn't believe, you're not going to be able to speak during a certain time. And we find out it was during the whole nine months. Can you imagine not being able to speak for nine months? How that must have felt to go through and not being able, having to write things down, having to motion, trying to communicate without using your voice. He does not have... um, They. uh, I want us to look at Luke, if we have that up there. Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 60. Now, I want you to listen to this. This is interesting. So, Zechariah and Elizabeth know this baby's coming, and they know that they've been told through the angel that you were to name him John. He's going to be the preparer of the way of the Savior that is coming. And they understand that and they grasp that. But after the baby has been born, listen to what happens. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. And I want to stop there for a minute. They... You know how we use that term a lot in our culture? Well, you know what they say. And a lot of times we go, who is they? Well, in this particular case, Elizabeth and Zechariah are there, but there is who else there? There are relatives and neighbors, and they think they're going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no. There's a little conflict here, isn't there? They're saying, you're supposed to name him after his father. You've waited this long. Surely he's going to carry the name of his father after you've waited this long to have a child. So there's a little bit of conflict. And she says, no, exclamation point. He is to be called John. And even though Zechariah couldn't speak during this whole pregnancy, he had communicated clearly to Elizabeth. The angel said, this son is to be named John. And they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Can you imagine how awkward this was at the circumcision of this baby? We're arguing over his name. I mean, I think about that, and we we can kind of laugh at that maybe, but we know where we've been in a hospital room, and people have been arguing over names. Ever happened in any of your families? You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm sure it may have. You can't name him that. I remember what I wanted to name my first son. I couldn't do it because both of my in-laws were teachers, and they knew a bunch of kids with that name that were bad kids so you can't name him that. I was like, what? But they made signs to his father going, surely you're going to tell your wife that we're going to name him Zechariah to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. So it started out kind of an awkward situation. Relatives and people are telling you what they you're supposed to name your baby, but I think it's ironic here that the collaboration, the cooperation between Zechariah and Elizabeth came and said, look, we know what God said. He gave us this baby. This baby came from him. And he said the name was going to be John and that's what we're going to do. I know what y'all are saying. I know that's what y'all are thinking. But we're going to do what God has called us to do. And they did. And in that obedience, peace came and that his tongue was loosed again and he was able to speak. It was not just the absence of the argument over the name that was gone. It was something better it was a sign it was shalom irene and john would be a unique part of bringing shalom irene peace the peace of god into the world something better than just the absence of war or conflict when you think about joseph and mary when joseph finds out about this pregnancy he does not have peace about the marriage does he and rightly so i know it's not my baby I don't understand what has happened. I thought we were planning this life together. How did something happen and someone else come in there? And then Mary tells him this story about the the angel and the Holy Spirit and how she was pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure from a, a standpoint of just humanness, he's going, What? What are you talking about? And it had to have some conflict there. But God confirmed to Joseph in a dream that Mary was telling the truth, that this child was coming from the Holy Spirit, and he was to save his people from their sins. Joseph cooperated and collaborated with Mary because he said, I heard from God too in a dream, just like you did, and now I understand, and I'm going to cooperate and be the father and the husband that I'm called to be. Now, again, it's not just the absence of conflict with Mary over the pregnancy but the faith that she was carrying the Savior of the world. Something better. God was bringing something better. Bringing shalom, arena, through Jesus Christ, making us whole with God again. And Joseph realizes, I want to be a part of that kind of peace. Not just taking that conflict away from me and Mary between us, but bringing something bigger for the whole world. And the shepherds, I don't know if there was any conflict among the shepherds that night. Were they arguing over, hey, I'm the one that has to take the first shift every night. Why don't you take it? I don't know if that was going on. The Bible doesn't tell us, but I just anticipate that there may have been some of that. There may have been some talk about just the way things were in the world and how shepherds were looked at. They weren't looked at very highly in the culture. But after that, after their, their position in community may not have been looked at very highly... But after they encountered the angel's message of good news and the angel's message of good news of great joy about the Savior being born and then experiencing this heavenly host of a choir saying, this child is really being born. When they heard that music, when they heard those voices, it had to do something to them. Whatever the conflict there may have been, it seemed to not have mattered anymore. Luke tells us that the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see. And they all seemed to go. There didn't seem to be any conflict. Like, no, hey, somebody's got to stay here and watch the sheep. Nobody seemed to worry about that. Something better was coming along. Something better. Not just the absence of conflict, but something better in place. And they went and they saw just as they had been told. And it was brought about Shalom and arane. And they cooperated and collaborated with one another, not only to go see that, but to say, hey, I want to go tell everybody what I've seen. The angels came and told us, y'all know we're nobodies. You know we don't really rank in our community, but God came and told us, and we went and saw, and it was exactly as we had been told. And they wanted to be a part of bringing Shalom and Irene into the world. And the wise men, in this case as well, I have no idea if there was any conflict among them, but I have to think that there might have been planning that trip. Can you imagine telling your family that you're going to go across the world to see this special baby that's going to be born? We've been watching this star, and I don't know how their families felt about them being astrologers. I don't know if they were married, if they had families, but I would imagine they did. And they probably said, Now what are you going to do again? You're going with the other two or three guys or whoever it is. We don't know exactly that there were three, but we think so because of the three different gifts. But it could have been more. But all of them were making this big travel together across the world, and I'm sure there was some conflict maybe with their families. I don't understand why you're going to see this. I don't know what you're hoping to see. Maybe family members had skepticism, and maybe they argued over how to go, which way to go, what gifts to bring. Do we trust Herod when we meet him, or do we not trust Herod when we meet him? Maybe they argued as he said, hey, the baby's not here, go find him and then tell me and then I'll come worshiping with you. But they went, as we talked about last week, to a little house. And can you imagine maybe there was some conflict going, you knock on the door. This can't really be the savior of the world in this little house. No, you knock on the door. No, you knock on the door. But somebody had to knock on the door. And when they told Mary who they were and they saw the baby, it all came together. There wasn't any... Worry about conflict. There wasn't any worry about tension. Whatever conflict there may have been in planning the trip, they cooperated, they collaborated over this incredibly long journey of study and traveling to see Jesus who would be the Savior of the world and bring Him these gifts. And they too got to be a part of bringing Shalom and arane something better into the world that they had initially expected. And they had confirmation of all their study, of all their travel when they saw the baby. God was in this. And then He told them, don't go back to Herod because what you've seen is very special. And go back a different way. And it was more confirmation of bringing Shalom and irene So today I want us to consider in all the broken and fractured and difficulties we're having in our relationships in our life, God wants to bring Shalom and irene to us in this season of our life. Something better, just the absence of conflict. Something better, restoration and wholeness. And what that will mean is that I need to cooperate and collaborate in some of those situations in maybe ways that I really don't want to. But that's what God calls us to do. He asks us to cooperate and collaborate with the Holy Spirit to make that happen. And I can't and you can't do it on your own. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. So maybe you're thinking of a relationship right now in your life., you, I really wish I could do something about that. I want that to be whole again. But God wants even before that for you and I to know that Jesus came into the world to bring about Shalom and Arane between us and God. not just an absence of conflict with us and God, the absence of guilt, the absence of shame, but something even better, true forgiveness. And the open arms to have authentic relationship, daily walking with God and walking eternally with God, healed forever. No longer will that old stuff come up again, but we're healed. The the relationship has been restored, and that's what God brought through Jesus Christ. Now we may nod our heads this morning and go, that's great, Craig, that's beautiful. The songs were beautiful this morning. But there's something in us that really doesn't grasp fully that we are healed. And I want to go back to Isaiah and read another, another prophecy of his. Listen to what he says in Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. And keep in mind, 700 plus years before Christ came, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us shalom, something better than just the absence of conflict, was on him. And by his wounds we are what? Healed, past tense, it's been done. You are healed this morning. Do you understand that? I wonder if we really do sometimes. We have been healed. We're not waiting to be healed. Healing isn't taking place. God says through Christ, you are healed. I am healed. That's good news of great joy. And then in Ephesians, listen to what Paul says to the Ephesian church. But now, and he's talking about this rift between Gentiles and Jews, and we know in our culture there's racial tensions between people, and this is what it was in his culture there in Ephesus. But listen to what he says. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our arene, our shalom, our peace Arene, peace, shalom to you who were far away. And arene, peace, shalom to those who were near. For through Him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. You have been healed. And as Paul says, you have access now to God through Jesus Christ. Now... It's not something we may get if we're good enough and do the right things. No, He's saying we have it now and that's what we celebrate. That's the peace. Even better than we thought through Christ. So maybe there's someone who is here today who's ready and needs to collaborate, to cooperate in experiencing that peace, that arena, that shalom that God calls us to. That God has made available to you through Jesus Christ. And it started with Him coming to this earth, I read a quote about what peace is. Listen to this. Peace is the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever short that is. That's the peace that God wants to, us to have in Christ Jesus. And that's the peace that we celebrate. That peace that we want on this earth. So we're going to have a time of invitation. And I know James is going to come and Mike is going to come up and and lead us in a song in just a minute. But maybe there's somebody here today that says, I want that shalom. I want that arena, that peace. That not only takes away the absence of conflict and war, but I want something better in its place. I want restored relationship, not only with God, but maybe somebody special this Christmas season. Are you willing to collaborate? Are you willing to cooperate with the truths and the promises? that God has brought through Christ. And if you're looking for a church home, we make that available to you. We want to collaborate. We want to cooperate as a church community to say we want the rest of the world to see what peace truly can be in our church. So as we stand and sing, if you have one of those decisions, we ask you to come forward right now.